Welcome everybody to a new edition of the CarCast. This one is episode 82, which is known not as the Mason Appleton episode. I know everybody's clamoring to give him credit. No, folks, we're going with Martin Straka, the longtime Pittsburgh Penguin, and then, of course, a handful of other teams, Islanders, Senators, Kings, and Rangers, but mostly the Penguins. I'm Owen Newkirk, he's Sean Shapiro, and we are headed home on a cold and rainy, at least by Texas standards. Yes. Uh, well, technically, it's now Wednesday morning because it's after midnight. Sean, what the heck was that? Six to three, Minnesota Wild lose to the Stars after having a three nothing lead, and the Stars don't kick the extra point, but they get six in a row and turn yeah. what could have been disaster into possibly a galvanizing moment. Tonight's game went from in a span of 21 minutes. 21 hockey minutes. That's right. It went from a span of... I was planning on keeping my phone alert because this could be doomsday to... You're uh, saying it could have lit the fuse. Could have lit the fuse, um, especially after what happened in the Pittsburgh game on Saturday at the end of the game. The third period. To... You go down and you walk out of this one and you're like... And you think, and then, and you think, wait, maybe they figured it out. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> like, like now, obviously, you got to keep the opponent in mind, and and, and uh, but you, you go and you like, you're, and you're thinking after this one. Well, if they if they do that, if they play the way they played in the third period against the Colorado Avalanche, and they do that, keep going forward, and all of a sudden, thinking, okay. These big guns that we've talked quite a bit about and that haven't produced, and all of a sudden, here they are. And it's whether it's Wool's gold or an actual season saver is yet to be determined, but the one thing it certainly did is we don't have to worry about someone named Jim getting fired in the next two days. <laughs> I wonder about this, and it's a very uh, pointed mention by you. What's Tom Gillard, What's going on in Tom Gillardi's head right now? Yeah. He's the owner of the team. He spent right up to the cap ceiling. So he's not uh, a thrifty owner in any stretch of the imagination. No, no. And, and the other thing, thing about Tom Gillardi this year is not only is he spending up to the cap season. He's actually th- spending over. Yeah. You think about the real money that's getting spent this year? Yeah. I believe um, in real money the Stars are spending closer to $95 million, I think, this season. A lot of if money. If you think about Sagan's making thirteen point five, I think Ben's around 13 Like, it's it's way more money than the actual cap right. what he's spending this year. So, cr- clearly not sitting on the wallet. No. And... And it's not just the stars and the media around Dallas. Many well-respected hockey experts around the country and in Canada were picking, and I thought rightly so, the stars in the preseason to be one of these Stanley Cup contenders and to be a real team to watch after what they did in the playoffs last year. It made, it, it, they checked a lot of boxes. They improved the team on paper. They, in theory, finally figured out some identity with Jim Montgomery smoother sailing second year because now they don't have to get to know each other as much. And then, I mean, the worst possible start, really, other than losing every game. Yeah. And of the, and you think about the expectations and belief and um, 
it's funny because like my expectation was actually, and I, I was someone who I expected to. I had gone on the record saying I believe the Stars would be in that two three spot. They would be. Yes, I did too. I didn't think they would win the division. But I did I not pick them to win the division because it didn't matter. No, but I thought they would be in that two three spot. But I actually was recently looking through a couple old things today. Um, Elliot Friedman picked the Stars to win the cup. If you talk about people who hold clout, I respect very well respected. Um, at the at my company, the Athletic, there was we do our preseason predictions where they pulled all of the writers, and after Vegas, um, the Stars had were the had the third uh, most amount of votes to reach the Stanley Cup final out of the Western wow. Conference. Like right it, again, yeah, we were not being a bunch of rah rah homers. We actually, you know, we had something substantial to back it up. Yes, and then. You know, it's like going to sit down at a math test, knowing what the, the rules of mathematics are, and then finding out that none of the formulas add up to the right numbers. That's probably what's going on in the Stars front office, going, we've done this, this, and this. This should all work, and should it should add up to a success, a winning recipe. Yeah. And so far, it hasn't. Now, again, as we said earlier, a season does this win not make. However, I think this was the first time this year, Sean. We've seen some good performances, but not offensively. No. We've seen, you know, against Ottawa, they created 30 chances. They were all over them, didn't score. And that was really frustrating to barely eke out a 2-1 win when you really were a much better team. Yeah. This was the first time in the regular season, minus the comeback in the, the last preseason game against Colorado, where you saw the kind of explosive offense that everybody thought the Dallas Stars would have. And so, well, it is certainly not the end game already. Like, oh, we've got it. Yeah. They have now actually seen what makes them tick, and so it's encouraging, if nothing else. And it's the other thing, too, and whether it's whether they come in bunches or whether you're going to call it confidence or whatever, there's so much that can be said about finally getting some of those goals. Um, oh, yeah. It's with, with, and whether it's causation or correlation or whatever, Alexander Radulov works his ass off to score the first goal. Then, what an effort goal. What huh? an effort goal. Loose Dot, puck in the slot, yeah. he wins the battle physically, falling down and lifts it in the net. Yeah. Just an incredible individual effort. Create that goal by tremendous goal. And then... You get the weird deflection in. Like, it, it's just kind of, it's one of those things it where... Starts at three own goals in the third period. Yes. Four. And, but it was not just luck. But it also goes back, to, it was partially luck, but it also goes back to the thing that the Stars didn't do against Pittsburgh in the third period. You create your own luck. Exactly. And I was going to say that. The yep. Stars created their own luck in the third period. They outworked Minnesota. I mean, it was night and day. So, Sean, the Stars did not have a quality scoring chance, by my unofficial calculation, through the 3 nothing, the Ryan Suter power play goal. Okay. Stars had the last seven of the of the second period. Well, they had, it was... And then they had the first ten of the third period. It wasn't until um, that really great save by Hudobin on Erickson Eck, mm-hmm. where he all of a sudden was free on the left side, and Hudobin made a great shoulder save. It was 4-3 at the yeah, time. yeah. He, he doesn't make that save. It's 4-4. This game probably goes to overtime, and who knows? Yes. But the point is is that they created 17 consecutive quality scoring chances 
over the span of about what, 15 minutes? And they had gone from in the in the second period, they had gone from a segment a stretch where they had one shot on goal. Yes. Before and we're all uh, full. At the point of the time when uh, Minnesota went up three nothing, they were not good in the second period. So, a lot of things were salvaged tonight. Mm-hmm. The fact that the big guns, Sagan had three points, Pavelski had three points, Radulov had four, including his second career hat trick. Jamie Benn had a beautiful play and assist. Uh, here's the thing. Bruce was kind of giving me a playful hard time by saying, well, he got a pizza delivered to him. I give Jamie Benn a ton of credit for being positionally in the right place because sometimes turnovers are created because the forward is in that free safety position and knows it comes to them because of where they're, they position themselves. And then Jamie, after getting the turnover – that little back, subtle forehand slide past Sagan had a dunk yeah, on the back post. But that was 5-3, Sean. They don't get that goal. You have a nervous last two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And then you don't get the – you maybe don't get the empty netter, which the hat trick for Radulov was just – I mean, talk about a perfect exclamation point for this game. Well, and the other thing is Radulov's probably not on the ice right. in a 4-3 game. 5-3 game, Radulov's on the ice. Trying to get the hat trick. Hat trick. Right. But, but in a 4-3 game, Jim Montgomery doesn't put Radulov on the ice because of... Probably the... not. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, so what do you think about... Let, we're going to do the summary a little different tonight because we're kind of bouncing around. Yep. First period, the Stars gave up two goals. First goal was on the first shot on a dreadful defensive coverage play. Yes. The second goal was on a power play, power play where, once again, we got to see a nice little glimpse of what makes Matt Zuccarello a really special player. Again, dreadful defensive zone coverage. Mm-hmm. But Jim Montgomery said something in the post-game show tonight of why Ben Bishop was pulled after the first period. Watching the first, yeah, okay, the stall goal wasn't great. First goal was coming, come on. But I expected the, the Monty, Monty to say, look, our team was flat, we had no energy, I can't sit 18 skaters. That's why we made the move. It's not on Bish. And what did he say? Ben Bishop wasn't on his game tonight, we didn't think. Were you surprised at that answer? I was surprised at that answer because it's something that you don't typically see. Uh, even if that's something that the coach actually believes, it's typ- it's, e- it's much easier to say we needed a spark. And, right. Um, and nobody's going to question that. Yes, and nobody's going to question that. Um, the goals themselves, I have a hard time blaming Bishop on the first one. However... If you're a coach, and if you're a coach, and one thing that one of the issues with this Stars team that has has been apparent this season, Ben Bishop has played ten games. In four of them, he's let up the first shot of the game. Yes, and that is a troubling trend. That is a troubling stat, and it is a trend where if you're a coach and you're trying to correct that, no matter whose fault that first goal was, if you're trying to correct that and you're trying to send that message to your goalie, who is an emotional player, too. If sure. you're trying to send that message to your goalie of saying, this isn't acceptable, look, you can't let up the first shot of the game. That's the message he's that's sending. That's the message he's sending. And that's kind of the way I look at this, where I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if it was actually the overall body of work or if Montgomery kind of threw his hands up and said, look, you can't let up the first shot of the game. You can't get beat five-hole. We, you know you play behind a team that typically doesn't score a lot of goals, you need to be better. To back, start, yeah. back this up a second. It's a, it's a troubling trend. Yes. The first one of the season was against Brett Ritchie in Boston. Mm-hmm. It was a bad goal. Yes. Shouldn't have let it in. Yes. The second one was St. Louis. David Perron on the rush. 
Not as bad a goal. Not as bad as a goal. Still the first. Frustrating. Yeah, yeah. The third one is not his fault. It was in Philadelphia. No. And it was a horrendous coverage play on the yes. rush. And it's a backdoor tapping. Does Bishop get a little overextended? Perhaps. But what are they doing coverage-wise, right? No. It, it, and then this yeah. one, again, Jason Zucker is standing three feet in front of your crease with three of your defensive players, your two defensemen and one forward, behind the goal line. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's harsh. Let, let's, let's take a look real quick. You're talking about, talking about Ben Bishop, but that play, that goal, that's all on John Klingberg. That is completely on John Klingberg, puck chasing, leaving leaving the man. Do you, and, so let me ask you yeah. that. I want to interrupt yeah. you on purpose. And I know everybody always says we interrupt Sean all the yeah. time. Sean interrupts me. We can handle it. He's a big boy. There is an argument, and I think you're right. I think it is on Klingberg. I've watched it a couple of yeah. times. The, there is an argument that Esselindel should have stayed on his side because he collapsed diagonally across the front of the crease because he saw that Kamano might not win his battle with Stahl. So then he goes to help. The argument is, of course, Klingberg should recognize what's happening, not chase and become the third guy behind the net and cover the front of the net. I could see a defensive coach saying that Essa should have not pursued behind the net and made force Stahl to kind of come out in front where the danger is. That being said, I, I wanted to say that to say that I could see why Klingberg maybe is on his side, but he did not read the situation. No, well he did at not. All. No. Okay, that, and, that's my interrupt. And John Klingberg actually, for a lot of the good things that came out of this game, John Klingberg's the one I was looking at. And you're looking at the game itself, and you're looking at the stat sheet afterwards, and John Klingberg's the one player we've talked about. Oh, we need to see this from Tyler Sagan. We need yes. to see this from Jamie Ben. We need to see this from Alexander Radulov. Yada yada yada. John Klingberg's the one that was still kind of caught in a rut in this one overall. Um, I do think that, to be fair, that he improved and looked more free-flowing, free-skating in the third period. I could see that. And so there was an inkling of encouragement for me. And maybe that's just because everybody was. But he looked like he had removed the shackles a little bit. And I think that's what you need from number three. Yeah. Anywho, but I getting back to Bishop where we were on this, I think it's kind of I think it's kind of a message from the coach to the goalie that hey, you say you're a Vesna quality goaltender, act like it. I think that's more of what it is. I think so. And and it, it's one of those where like Okay, so they play Colorado on Friday. Mm-hmm. Do you go back to Ben Bishop? Probably. It would make sense. You have Montreal on the short yeah. turnaround the next night. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, Anton Hudobin, certainly, you could you can make the argument Anton Hudobin earned his start. On the, on the flip side, who knows, we could have, Bishop could have been, Monty could have pulled Bishop, pulled him aside pulled him aside in the locker room. I, I'm not saying this happened. I'm just right. saying this is, this, a, is this is speculation. Where he could have pulled Bishop inside and said, hey, you're done for the night. Get your head together and figure it out before Colorado. Right. Like, you could have, that could have been a conversation of. That's not surprising. Yes. It could have happened. We'll find out. Yes. Um, so third period, just rattling off these, you get a centering feed from Radulov, aiming for, uh, and then Pavelski gets one. Hints on the power play. Hints on the power play, again, was a rebound chance that goes yeah. off of Jared Spurgeon. That was sort of, I'm out of order. Actually, let me say something real quick about the Hints goal, because I just want to mention something. It was actually really good to see Rope Hints score a goal 
in the flow of play where he's not... He's not on the rush? Yes. And, and, and obviously, it's not that I don't want Rope him scoring on the rush. I think it's good to see Rope grow his, grow his game and grow that confidence that he can be an offensive threat when he's actually not stationary, but not... Not getting, not not getting the CFL. Do you notice the difference in the third period on the yeah. power play? Yes. It was starkly contrasting yes. to the first couple periods. Yes. They actually attacked the net, attacked rebounds. They scored, you know, shocker. Yeah. But I did like the the drop pass they used with Rope's. I did feet. like that too. I liked that it. looks really hard to contain yes. entering yes. his own. Uh, another bad smell. Yes. Not the skunk, but uh, something foul that... It's not as pungent as the other one, but... It's not pleasant. Yes. Eh, I gotta say, yeah. not good. All right. So they get that. The, they tie it. Sagan, uh, they get the lead. Sagan scores to make it 5-3 on that great play from yeah. Ben, and then rides off of the empty netter, hats all over the place. And Sagan playing in a game, too, where... Well, they said this morning, we were, we were told this morning, Sagan will play tonight. Yeah. We learned after the game that was kind of a half truth in the morning. It sounded like they made the decision of warm-ups. Sagan said Sagan said he probably felt he was good to go with about two three minutes left in warm-ups. Montgomery said Sagan gave him, th- with, gave him a thumbs up without eight minutes about left. Halfway through warm-up. And so, I mean, and the stars skated. Um, an extra forward, Justin Dowling, took warm-ups. So, I noticed that he was out there, and I wondered if that and was. And so, while we were told this morning Sagan would play. Um, he was more of a game-time decision than, than they wanted to let on, I think. I believe you are absolutely and, right. And, I, and, and part of me, thinking back on it, looking at how they worked with the power play unit this morning, if Tyler Sagan was just going to be a lock to play, they wouldn't have had both Roddick Fox and Justin Dowling working with the power play groups at morning's game. So... That's yeah, I'm with you on yeah. that. So it was it was a game time decision. Like that's And you know what? It's good to see that he was able to persevere because I've said this on our radio broadcast. Sagan takes a lot of pride in being able to play eighty two games. Yes. He did it last year, he did it the year before. He had some injury problems that were not really his fault, they're just circumstance, right? It's not lack of preparation or physical conditioning in the summer. It's fluky injuries yes and he's been able to knock on wood really rebound from those and stay healthy and i think well it wasn't essential that he played tonight i think it means a lot for him to not miss games i think was also big too with how the schedule is right now um because they're at a spot where he cannot practice you don't have to worry about him practicing tomorrow you can give him off the next two days you can let tyler sagan you can let Tyler Sagan, hey, stay away from the facility till Friday and get and get healthy if you need to. I think tomorrow is going to be a bit of an optional, do you think, after tonight? Wouldn't surprise me. Or maybe a maintenance for a couple guys. There's definitely things to work on. Oh, yeah, but it's one of those Well, put it this way. Bruce looks at me after the 3 nothing goal and goes, I don't think I'm going to practice tomorrow. It's going to be miserable. How different is the mood at practice Wednesday now versus... Midway through the second period, it's obviously it's going to be a much better mood. It's one of those. Oh I remember I remember thinking in my head all of a sudden what they did tonight was wonderful for my job because I can actually work on some things I've wanted to work on for a couple weeks. You can ask lighthearted yes. questions that maybe are not just about. So what happened last night? Now though, now now that you since you said that, here's the other thing. Okay. I have a bone to pick with Bruce. Then of course, please do. 
how can you cover a team and say, well, practice is going to be hard tomorrow, so I'm not going to go? That is, <laughs> that to me is, how can you, and how can he stand and grandstand on his postgame show and rip into things like he does, and then say, I'm not going to show up to practice the next day and show my face after well, doing that? He said he was going to go Thursday. I don't care. Okay, fair I enough. don't care. If he's going to go on his radio, if, if they lost 3 nothing tonight, they're, if they lost 3 nothing tonight. We would have said it was really bad. Bruce Levine, on his postgame show, would have ripped into the Stars. Rightfully so. They would have deserved but it. I would have written very bad things about them, about what they've been yes, I'm still going to go to practice tomorrow and show my face because I am man enough to rip into a team and show my face the next day. I am... Disappointed. Okay. <laughs> I'm dis- you, need, you need to calm down. I'm, I'm disappointed in your co-host. co-host because I don't think you're getting. I don't think anybody would be in a talking mood tomorrow if they lost that game three nothing. Yes, but if it would have going- been miserable as far as trying to get anything productive out of it. So I understand where he's coming from. That less about showing your face and more of no one's going to give me any good tidbits about how we're playing or you know things you can use on the radio broadcast because. Everyone's going to be miserable and sulking and not want to talk. I, I don't care if you're I going, know. All if right, you're going to no, if you're going to go and you're going to be critical of a team. Boy, you need talk to be about a, he found an if, opening, folks. Yeah, if you're going to be critical of a team, you need to be willing to show up and show your face the next day. I there agree. is a there is a big. And I could go on further. I think you shouldn't just, because we got to move on. Yes, it's time for the lightning yes. round. Sean will reserve his right to recall the witness later. Uh. Four hours ago, Joe writes in, in your guys' opinion, what, this is obviously before the comeback. Yeah. It's going to lead some interesting questions. What there. happens first? Nil gets fired, Klingberg gets traded, Dallas goes in full rebuild. Uh, Stay of execution right now. Well, I mean, I feel like Dallas goes full rebuild is attached to one and two, isn't it? I think so. I mean, if you're like, going to blow it up, yeah. um, you're, you're, going, you're not just going to go half in. It's all in. I mean, of the odds of those three things, uh, um, of those three things, if you had to put the likelihood in the order of them happening, I think the first one would be Nil would get fired as the first of those three. Okay. I don't think any of them are. Um, none are done lightly. None are done lightly. Yes. Matt writes in again. This is also four yes. hours ago, and we have a couple more of these. Okay. Okay. Matt writes, I know there's been a lot of talk about changing coaches slash systems for the Dallas Stars. Random thought. What about adding a player who can really muck it up? Ott slash Roussel type to get opponents off their game and galvanize the team. Worth a shot? Um, I don't think so. Because I don't think you need to add that type of player. And I think you have enough players that can actually... Um, I think you have those pieces. I think Alexander Radulov was that piece tonight. I think Corey Perry can be that piece. I actually think Blake Como can be that piece when he's healthy. Blake Como and Roman Polak's yeah. absences are a lot uh, – the Stars are feeling those absences a lot more than a lot of people realize, both because of their dedication and focus into the physical game, but also the leadership that they bring even without wearing a letter. And Blake Como is, is the interesting one to me because there's been multiple times we saw – obviously not this season because he's only played one game, but we saw in the past – last season – there was a couple times where the Stars were, were dead in a game, and on the bench, Blake Como's the one that's getting them going. Yep. Not John Klingberg, not Tyler Sagan. Blake Como is the more vocal leader when the Stars' leadership group aren't really the most vocal guys. 
and they uh, guy like Blake Como's who they had to do that. So I don't think the Stars need a Roussel or an Ah or whatever. Um, I think they have that. They have those pieces, and to me, those guys that are can get under people's skin. They're only effective in today's NHL, in my view, if they can actually play. Corey Perry is effective. When Corey Perry is at the top of his game, he's effective because he gets under your skin and you hate him, and then he also beats you for two points that night. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> uh, Brian writes in, maybe it's time to start trading our big boys that did that don't seem to want to play for the big for big boys that want to play. I don't want to be unfair to Brian because he asked that question. Right. He asked it three hours ago. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's coaching right now, but player issues. I agree with that sentiment. It's more on the player side than coaching, I think. Sam wrote in, will the Stars be sending the Wild defense a cookie basket? This was two hours ago after things started to turn around. Um, no, I don't think anybody feels sorry for the Minnesota Wild right now. They have to worry too much about their own problems, don't you think? No, and I have no, I have no, I have no sympathy for Minnesota after Russo's been turning loose his Minnesota followers about the Winter Classic on me. Has he? Oh, okay. So a little bit of uh, playful infighting at the Athletic. Yes, as I pointed out, as I pointed out, many if when Russo told Russo that people should follow him, so when he gets relocated to Dallas, they know where he is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Travis, our buddy, writes in: If you had to rank Halloween candy. What would each of your top three? What would be your each of your top three? What a comeback tonight! Hopefully, this win can lead to a big confidence boost in the team. Top three Halloween candies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anyone gives it out, but my uh, my favorite, my go-to favorite ho- candy right now in general is the Reese's Fast Break. Okay, I've heard of it. I don't know. If, I don't think I've ever had it. I don't know how often it's given out as Halloween candy. I mean. Um, not a lot of households are giving out the full-size candy bars. No, they're not. And so at all the big stores, mm-hmm. you're buying the variety fun-size pack, which we were talking yeah. about on our show. If There's nothing fun about that. Yeah. I think I would go with – this would be my order. Um, I would go uh, peanut butter M&M's. Okay. I, I agree with those. Those are by far the best M&M's. Peanut butter M&M's, uh, Reese's. Okay. And then uh, I also like the Starbursts too. I like all. I like. Yeah. I I like all those. Sour Patch Kids, big fan of those. Mm-hmm. Not really a classic Halloween candy, but they've become that because now they're being handed out as the mini packs. This is something that you have more in, insight on than I do. You'll get there. Kids, I'm still a couple of years away from. To getting... me, a one that I had never had and my wife turned on turned me on to, the hundred grand bar. Really big fan of the hundred grand candy bar, and they have little ones of those. So, but that's rare. You don't get those a lot. Mm-hmm. But if let's 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 turn this a bit. How which one was your favorite of the Hershey's miniatures? Because those are when I was growing up, Hershey's miniatures were a very common Halloween yeah. candies before all the candies were in fun sizes. Mm-hmm. Do you like the crackle? When I was a kid, crackle was number one. I think yeah. I've turned into more of the special dark chocolate guy, but. At the same time, I don't mind the Mr. Good Bar. Yeah, I like, I like the I, classic Hershey's milk chocolate. I like, I like the crackle. So I'll I'll tell a funny Halloween-related story. All right. Since why not? Um, so in the Shapiro household, growing up, <laughs> what happened was we would. I, I have two younger sisters, um, two and four years younger than me. So we one would, who has a great stand-up routine going right now. Yes, yes. My sister Allie in Chicago. If uh, 
Is she happy? You think she listened to the car cast? I'm going to go with a no. I don't think so. But All right. But if hi, she does, Allie. if she does, I, I, I got it covered. Um, hi, Allie, and hi to Allie. Yes. So we had the uh, – we, we would go trick-or-treating. We would get back home. And then it basically turned into it was it's like you know how at the NHL draft where you see all the GMs on the floor and, yes. and everyone's there? That's what this was. Where all of a sudden all three of us would lay out our Man, candy. Talk about a bartering table. All of it we would all three of us lay out our candy and it turned into a big trading floor. Where we would make trades and there would be market inefficiency and and we knew, and, and like, for example, you know the bit of honey candy? Ever, yes, ever? I'm familiar so, with it. I don't like bit of honeys. Okay. Allie, not my biggest fan either. Allie, fan. Allie really did as a kid. Okay, so you and, knew and you so could we, take advantage we, of that. We'd be at a house, and it'd be like, oh, what do you want? And you'd see, like, something that was like a, uh, say it was, uh, like, a bit of honey and something else that I wasn't really. I would load up on the bit of honeys to Man. trade, to, to get as a tradable asset to send to my sister that, for that's next level Halloween. I was happy to walk through the door, get, take whatever they gave me and worry about it when I got home. You're actually planning out your attack at the point of sale. Yes. Man, that's cold. It's totally against the spirit of Halloween. Take a <laughs> take what they offer you. If they say take a big handful, go for it. Um, all right. We could talk about candy all yes. night. But we're going to move on. Yes. Um Andrew writes in, is that the best 25 minutes you've ever seen from the stars? What changed? My gosh, the first 35 minutes versus the last 25 minutes were the complete opposite. Yes, they were. Yes. It was Jekyll and Hyde, a tale of two cities, the worst of times, the best of times. Best 25 minutes ever by the stars? Best? No. No. But a um, great 25 minutes. No, like it's... Like you, think of, you think of times and like I remember what was the... Remember they fired 30 shots on the Ducks in one period last year? Yep. Like I remember some pretty exciting yeah. times in the 15-16 Lindy Ruff yeah. Dallas Stars who skated teams off the ice with their speed and transition game. And yeah. No, it wasn't the best ever, but it was a great period. And yeah. as far as the importance to uh, being very close, precariously close to a lost season, yes, that it means an awful lot, right? The stakes are very high. Um, Galpagus. Man, that was so much fun to watch. The Stars break out in the third period tonight after the third period dud on Saturday. My carcass question is, with the World Series seemingly headed to Game 7, it is now. Yes. Have you all been watching? Do you have an interest in the Stars or the Nationals? The Astros, Astros maybe? Astros or Nationals? Let's go with that. Let's, let's amend the question. Do we have an interest? What do you think, Sean? Um, I, wa- I have not watched too much of the World Series because... It's mm-hmm. either it's either been the nights of tonight, like tonight, where we had a game, yep. or um, I typically on nights that are on nights that I'm not at the rink. I'm I've been trying to spend more time with my family, so I haven't watched too much of the World Series. Um, I know I'll probably watch the Game Seven. Game Seven is tomorrow night. That's 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 something I'll probably watch. That'll um, be fun. And. Uh, I don't know. Are you willing to give up Survivor Night to watch Game 7? I don't watch Survivor, so... Yeah, you know, everybody has yeah. their flaws. <laughs> All right, moving on. No, I, I, I like baseball. I grew up a huge baseball fan. Uh, I've not watched baseball as much this year and, and in the past few years because, you know, again, you have other things going on. And, mm-hmm. 
I'm also a Red Sox fan, so they were not very good after winning a World Series last year, which was really fun. So I haven't been as invested this year. Um, I'm torn, Sean, because I like the way the Astros have put together their team. Not a big fan of the recent storyline coming from the Astros yeah, with their front office guy that got fired. But I, you know, they've built from within, and they've got a great core of players. Then the Nationals, first chance to win a World Series. Uh, I could see, I mean... I don't have I have I'm a neutral in this one. Yeah, I typically before this World Series started, I probably would have been before the playoffs. If you had told me this was the matchup, I would have not rooted for the Nationals as somebody who is a Mets fan. But um, on a I've looked at I don't really like some of the recent storylines about the Astros and as being a media member. I don't like how the Astros have treated media members. So had a I couple think, of black eyes yeah. this year. Yeah. So I think that kind of rubs me the wrong way, and so for that reason, nice karma-wise to see the Nationals win, and you know what, maybe maybe it helps in the long run for my own fandom, beware, the Mets are so embarrassed that someone won the World Series in their division so that they actually make smart baseball moves. Amazing. Imagine that. <laughs> Austin writes in, are these new, the new lines to ride with? The big three look dangerous again, and Pavelski look great with the young speedsters. Um... No, these coaches and most coaches change lines yeah. quickly to at a, at a not a whim, but because they are looking to try to find what's working that night. And if it's not working that night, they're not saying, well, it's worked for us for 10 games. We're going to stay with it. Yeah. So what what was more important is seeing players ignite. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd like to see some consistency with it, but it's also Agreed. something to, to – to, to say it's something that they'll stick with is it's just not realistic. <laughs> so Andrea writes in, where did that come from? Not with that emphasis, by the way, that's on the wrong syllable. Where did that come from? Not complaining at all. Before the third, I, th all I could think was the only thing left to look forward to is the car cast. Now I'm looking forward to Saturday and the car cast. Even if I know the only consistent thing this season is the car cast. Thank you, Andrea. We, are, we have been almost consistent, yes. minus a bad weather on yeah. travel day. Yep. Um, I mean, I think everything changed. Where did that come from? It changed when Radulov made scored the goal. That's when it changed. They had a good run yeah. for a couple minutes before that, but if yeah. he doesn't score that goal, then the questions still linger. And three goals is a lot harder to come back from after the th second period than, than and, two. And Minnesota doesn't get shaken. Uh, Minnesota, like, the Stars may have had a, may have pushed and made Minnesota shake a little bit going right. into the third period, but if they don't score, the wild reset, and then they're... And then they're yeah, just yeah. chasing. Crawdaddy. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, sorry, Sam first. Off topic, but what happened to Pee Wee and the tagged groups? He's talking about the Pee Wee Herman uh, deep in the heart of Texas Club? Oh, we haven't seen that for a bit. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. Um, Crawdaddy, would it be fair to call tonight a statement game? If so, what's the next step? I mean, it's a statement game that they kept people's jobs tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's a statement game of we're not going to go out with a whimper. Yes. But now the next step is to do that from the start. No, they don't have to blow a team out. Mm -hmm. But they need to come with that kind of energy and passion to the game. The work ethic, teams, like this team tries hard. But there are some times where it seems blah. Mm -hmm. They need to come out with intensity, not just effort, but focused effort. Right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, no, All I right. agree with that. Nothing yeah. more to add? Yeah. Okay. Ardell. Oh, Sean. 
Get back on your high horse here. <laughs> Ardell writes, Alex Stalock is a bum and the most wheels-off puck-handling goalie in the NHL. In ticket radio terms, Stalock is spare. Given our complete lack of a solid fourth defenseman, does Hanley get a, a longer look? He took a left turn there. So he's asking a question while taking side swipes at Alex Stalock? No, he is making a comment and then asking another question. Well, Nothing to do with the, in- the initial comment. I love watching Alex Stalock play hockey. He's a madman. <laughs> he's a madman who yes. loves to handle the puck, plays so aggressively, looks like he played goalie. Looks like he played goalie, basically learned how to play goalie by watching Dominic Hasha clips on YouTube. Um, Which is fun. We the Hockey's a game. Hockey's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be entertaining. We need more Alex Stalocks in the world. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you know what? Tonight, I don't think he made any puck handling gaffes. No. That... I was looking for. Frankly, I had, with how bad tonight had gone, it was 3 nothing. I had confided myself to... Well, you know what? Maybe we get to see Alex Daylock take six or seven shots at an empty net. That would have been fun, wouldn't it? Like that—that's kind of what I confided in the night <laughs> to. Of obviously, that's that's how far much of a turn this game took. What was the, the Joel Hanley question? What was that? Was uh, he asked me this during our post game show? We just didn't get to it because we had too many questions. Mm-hmm. He's, he thinks that they don't have a solid fourth defenseman. Can Hanley get a longer look? Not as the fourth defenseman. Agreed. Um. Joel Henley's look is as long as... He's just been really... Uh, Ardell, who's a frequent caller of ours, has not been very high on Andre Sekera. Okay. Um, the question is, Sean, could in the interim, let's say Sekera comes back and plays Friday, mm-hmm. could Jamie Alexiak be up with Miro and have Sekera play with Hanley or Fadoon? Probably Fadoon. Yeah, Fadoon's not coming out. Like Han- Hanley- It could be. Um, Alexiak had some good, had a really good shift at the to sort oh, of no, spark I, this I, comeback. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying no. Fadoon, Fadoon doesn't come out. Hanley no, no, Fadoon, Fadoon is uh, is a little bit more assertive with the puck. I think the big thing is what happens when Roman Polak comes back yeah. because he has to play. Polak will come back in, and then the question becomes whether I mean it's probably Fadoon will probably be the one that comes out, but yeah, but he's been good. He's been good. And Hanley was fine, right? And also the other thing too with Polak is. Pollock's not close right now. I know. It's unfortunate. Uh, good thing to see that Como's getting closer. Yes. Stefan writes in, I hope, despite the Wild not being good, this game does something to change how the Stars approach offense early in games. Down 0-3, they had to abandon the overly careful approach to offense and just attacked. Defense first at all times approach doesn't work. What do you think about... Uh, the heat that the Stars coaching system under Jim Montgomery has been taking lately about the perceived lack of offense, which there is a lack of offense. There is a lack of offense. But, but is it because of the system that Monty plays? People will. So look at what they did in the third period. Was that different system, systematically than what they've been trying to do? Was it? No. Like, think about the goals that no, were scored. No, the energy. It's going to the, the net. Energy. It's crashing like, rebounds. Like, like, it was crashing the net. The Pavelski goal is forcing a turnover in the neutral zone and yep. getting into the rush. And throwing the, it toward the yeah, net. The and Raj, it goes off a leg in it. The Radulov goal is carrying in and throwing a gold puck towards the net. It wasn't a different system in the third period. No, it was just a different energy. It was just a different energy. Like, um, yeah, like, I don't think there was... 
it's not like this was a different system that led to five goals in the third period. No, if, if, if the stars coaches were good enough to be able to flip a system like that for, with 15 minutes, 15 minute mark in the second period, or the stars players were good enough to say, Oh, let's change systems completely. They wouldn't be at the record. They were right no. now. So. Dallas stars haiku. That third period must've been difficult for noted wild executive, Mike Madonna to watch. Will he move past this by drawing on his extensive experience of losing while employed by a Minnesota hockey team? <laughs> I just wanted to read it. I don't really have anything to say on it. Mike Madonna went to the Stanley Cup Finals with the Minnesota North Stars. Yes. So, anyway, funny. Aaron from Defending Big D wants to know how and also why. And then in parentheses says, questions can be applied to the topic of your choosing. Suggestions include the bizarre dichotomy of this game or, and this is totally for Sean, Russo's inability to let the winter classic thing go. People realize he's trolling, right? I'm not. I don't know. I wasn't really privy to it. I spent the third like, period down in the in the seats. Like Russo, so I wasn't like Russo, Russo's trolling. Like he got to the point where at one point tonight he told me he was gonna. He was thinking about tweeting. He was tweeting that. He was think, tweeting about complimenting the Stars game ops, and that's clearly the reason the. Uh, complimenting the Stars game ops because the Wilds game ops are terrible, and that's why the they Stars got the, got the winter classic. classic. Like, he's trolling. It's not... All right, moving on. Jamie's Lost Tooth writes, I'd like to know what changes can be done right now to improve the team and our play. Thanks. Play like they did in the third period? Play with that energy and get healthier. Yeah. Melissa writes in, what's the craziest hockey game you've ever witnessed? Oh, jeez. <sighs> I have to think about that for a while. First one that comes to mind is, for me, is, um, was it game five or game six of that playoff? When Texas won the Calder Cup, that Grand Rapids series. Game six. You mean the final one? The one where Campbell came in or was started was great and then got hurt and Nilsort finished it? To me, the craziest game, one of the best games I've ever done was Game 7 of the Western Conference Final between the Texas Stars and the Toronto Marlies. The Stars were at home. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Trailed 2 to nothing mm-hmm. In the second period, they were getting outplayed by the Marlies. Christopher Nilstorp denied, I think it was Brendan Cozen, mm-hmm. um, uh, with his feet yeah. lying down, sticking his legs out of a wraparound attempt that should have gone in. I thought it was going in when he tried it. Would have made it three to nothing and would have ended the series. Mowed yeah. down in my mind, halfway through the second period. Stars end up avoiding that somehow, scored twice to tie the game, and then scored four times in the third period to win six to two. It was one of the most amazing yeah. games I've ever witnessed. Mm-hmm. There's so many other crazy moments. Yeah. Going back to my first year in hockey was 2003-04. So I've seen a few games and yeah. some weird stuff. And the question was bizarre. Um, craziest. Craziest. Craziest, craziest. has m- several different interpretations. Yeah. Um, hmm. The collapse in Game Six against the Anaheim Ducks in the first round back in thirteen fourteen mm-hmm. was crazy, not in a good way. Yeah. The hmm. double overtime Game Seven against St. Louis last spring was crazy. Yes, that was. Um, the fact that Zuccarello got cleared off his feet away from the puck and they didn't call a penalty was I think, crazy. I will, I'll say this. Actually, right. here's, here's a good, this is not the craziest, but one that comes to mind. 
one of the craziest shifts I've ever seen in the game is last year where Jason Dickinson is literally in a fight while Zuccarello yes. sends a breakout pass for Foxa. For Foxa to score on a breakaway. And there's a great picture from the end of the rink, yes. high angle, way above the ice, of the fight in the background and the breakaway about to turn yes. into a goal. Yes. That was a crazy game. Yes. Isn't that then the same game that Zuccarello gets hurt in the next period? He broke his arm, yeah. That was a crazy game. Yes. I've never been – you want to talk about a roller coaster. So high and then so low. Like, you saw how quickly Zuccarello, goal and assist, looked like he was the perfect complement yeah. to this team. Made everybody better, and he did. And you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. This is exactly what they needed. And then have your heart ripped out and stomped on 20 minutes later. I remember we were at that uh, – we were during the second intermission of that game. I'm in Chicago. And we get the email from – Oh, that I, was so gut-wrenching. And, and I get the email from Tom Holy, who's literally sitting like four seats to my sure. left, of, well, Matt Zuccarello will not return to the game. And I remember looking over at Tom like, wait, really? <laughs> Uh, four to six weeks in the post game. It was just like, I believe this dagger is yes. in my heart. Uh, last question. Andrew writes in, I see a lot of comments about how keeping Zuccarello would have been more beneficial for the stars than having Pavelski. In your opinion, or opinions, would Zuc have a bigger impact than Pavs were he still here, or would his impact on the team be about the same? We have touched on this. Later. We've touched on this. I mean, the biggest thing, the biggest Zuccarello issue is you have to, you can't look at it in a vacuum because you weren't getting them in a one-year. Correct. Matt Zuccarello wanted that long-term security. He wanted that long-term contract. Um, well, you, uh, did you do, uh, did you report something about Pavelski? I did. I did. Uh, earlier this week? Yes. Uh, about yes. Colorado? Yes, I learned recently that Pavelski was offered a similar cap hit from the Avalanche, but... A little they, higher than the Stars, right? Yeah, a little bit higher, but they... Uh, and I don't know the exact number, but I know similar, a little bit higher than the Stars, but they were not willing to give the third year like Dallas was. Right, just two years. Yes. And that was very important. So, again, it's same thing, two different players. Mm-hmm. I would love to have Matt Zuccarello on this team right now if you could, but there were a lot of mitigating factors that, to me, made it un- untenable. Yes. And not the right move. Correct. But would could we have him here, and would he make us better? Watch him pass the puck tonight. Just yeah. that. Don't forget the skating, the fact that he plays with an edge and is feisty, and I like that too. He is a magician with the puck as far as passing. Mm-hmm. Through legs, around bodies, he hits guys on the tape in stride. Set up the goal to stall because he literally threw it between two guys as they were trying to trap him against the wall. I just, I'm a huge fan of his as a player. I just wish you could have him five years ago. Yeah, and the other, the other thing where he's about, healthier and younger. The other thing about Zuccarello too, and you just think about what this Stars team needs, and and his Joe Pavelski's play has not been at the level to dictate this right now, but the Stars needed more finishers. And Zuccarello is not as Zuccarello is a creator, but he's not the finisher. No. And would help the power play right yes, now. Yes. But the the point was, if Pavelski is finishing, that's what the Stars needed more of. Mm-hmm. So, give us some time. All right, that's it for our lightning round. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up and make show our faces at practice? Yes, we are going. We are actually going to show our faces. At Maybe practice. I'll skip practice tomorrow. <laughs> 
the noon, so I think we'll be okay. Yes. Um, yeah, noon in Frisco tomorrow for those who may listen now and before. If you're listening and you haven't yet made it to lunchtime, yes. and you're going to lunch and you're in Frisco or in nearby, mm-hmm. it's free. Stop by. Yeah. Um, my kind of final parting thoughts, just two quick things on how things are. Um, because we don't talk to them about them enough because it kind of gets buried, uh, kind of gets buried with what other struggles, but quick things. Um, I've been really impressed with the play of Jamie Alexiak and Taylor for doing this season. Mm-hmm. They've Very. been really good. I know they weren't paired the other night, but they've been really good. Um, how about Fadoon? Carrying the puck and breaking out of his own zone yes. in the third period. I watched him. I sat down in section 110, mm-hmm. which is right in front of where Groobs is. Yeah. And so I was basically, I wasn't straight on with from the stars. I was the obviously near yeah. Stalock. But you could basically watch as Fadoon set up behind the net. He had Hanley with him and was controlling breakouts. Yeah. He looked very comfortable. And it wasn't just, oh, we've got to quickly get this and get this out of here with the third pairing. Yeah. He looked, no, I'm going to hang on to it. I'm going to deke this. I'll make this. Yeah. I'm going to make the right play. He is a very cool customer out there. Yeah. My other quick thought from the night, just um, if Nick Camano is going to be on the NHL roster mm-hmm. and he's only going to play five minutes a night, he should be in Texas. Agreed. Uh, Justin Dowling might offer more. Uh, interesting, Sean. It doesn't matter who offers more. Right. In fact, if you're going to have no, a right. kid play five minutes a night, they need to be in Texas. I, I didn't think that Gurionov had his best night on the power play. Uh, power play units look better, especially the one with Radulov on it, mm-hmm. Velsky. Uh, that was the Lindell unit yes. with Klingberg on the wall. I don't know if Klingberg on the half wall. He doesn't have a lot of practice on it. It didn't look very comfortable there. Yeah. Sagan in the slot, I, wasn't, I didn't mind. When Gurionov came out with the other unit, he wasn't bad, but uh, a couple times tonight in the third period, I was watching him down low where he didn't make the right play. No. I'm but, being picky, but, but De- yeah, but Denny, I thought. But he's got a lot of ceiling to get to. But Denny did a lot of the other little consistency yes. things tonight. He set up, he essentially made the play that helped Hayshkin get the puck up to Pavelski yes. to set up that goal. Right. So, I'm not saying yeah. he had a bad game. I'm just saying that, I, that there's more that I want to see from him. Yes. Okay. That's fair. That's it for me. Well, everyone, uh, we will be back on Saturday. Hockey night in Canada, eh? Yes. Remember, 6 p.m. game. Mark it on your calendar. Get there early. It's going to be a fun night, but it's a 5.30 pregame and warm-up. Yes. All right. Martin Straka episode. Woohoo!